0: You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 97, featuring special guest Sierra Elise Harris, currently playing Alana in the national tour of Dear Evan Hansen. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Berra, and welcome to another episode of The Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's get on to the show. Is your resume in need of a revamp? Are you tired of the same old black and white Word document that looks like everyone else is in the holding room? Well, you're in luck. No Sweat Rep is an online audition concierge that specializes in custom audition packages, book building, resume rebranding, and more. If you mention that you heard about No Sweat Rep through the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, you will receive 25% off your resume rebranding package. Visit No Sweat Rep on Instagram at No Sweat Rep, and let's make that resume shining shimmering splendid well hey friends thanks for joining me this week for the actor aesthetic podcast i can't wait to share with you this episode because i just had the loveliest chat with sierra elise harris sierra is an actress currently playing alana beck and understudying Zoe Murphy in the first national tour of Dear Evan Hansen. She received her BFA in musical theater from the Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, otherwise known as CCM. When she's not performing, she's working on her blog, Queen Made of Light, whose purpose is to remind women of their power and how they are fully capable of finding their own light in the darkness. Sierra is a strong mental health advocate and uses her own experiences to share insight about topics such as anxiety, relationships, being an artist, and learning how to love yourself where you are and where you are going. During this time of quarantine, Sierra is doing really incredible work online, on her blog, and social media, and that's actually how I found her. I think that what she does is so wonderful and inspirational, and I can't wait to share it with you all. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Sierra, thank you so much for joining me today. You are so lovely for (laughs) for answering my Instagram
1: DM. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Can you just start off by talking a little bit about where you grew up and how you initially got involved in theater?
1: Yes. Okay, so I'm from Miami, Florida, And uh, downtown, we have a school called New World School of the Arts. And I had auditioned there for my freshman year for ninth grade. And so I went there and it's a very like, it's basically conservatory style training, but like we would go to school from 7.30 to like one o'clock. And then we would have arts classes from one to 3.45. And then after that, I'd like be there for rehearsals for shows. So I was basically doing what I did in college, but like, with a lot of academics added to it. So it was interesting because college ended up being easier technically. Like the workload was so much easier. Like not having classes all day, having like breaks in between classes. Like when you go to college, you're Mm -hmm. not like going full the entire day. So it was like (laughs) actually like relaxing comparatively to what I was used to. And then I went to uh, CCM for -hmm. musical theater. And so at New World, it was very like the curriculum was very like, we're all gonna go to college. Like the, a couple of people were like, No, I'm not. I'm I'm like, I got what I needed for musical theater. I learned it, like I don't wanna do this. Hmm. If we did we felt we were very supported in that way. I auditioned at like Chicago Unified. So I had auditioned like for all these schools in one area and like it was very that was like the best part about it, like not having to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, And CCM accepted me, and I was able to go. And I went there for four years, and then I graduated.
0: Amazing, because I was going to ask you: Was it always your intention to go to school for musical theater? Did you ever wonder about maybe another opportunity? You know, pursuing a degree in something completely different.
1: Yes, I was always a little bit like because I love to write, Mm -hmm. so I was. You know, maybe I could just, maybe I might want to be a communications major. I might want a double major. I might want a minor or whatever. So part of the reason I chose CCM was because it was a conservatory inside of a university. And like a football team and all those things. Because my high school, I didn't have a football team. We didn't have sports. (laughs) We went to school in one building on like the fourth or the third floor and Uh the ninth floor. And so I didn't have a lot of those things. I didn't have a normal And
0: And Cincinnati's football team is very good. Yes,
1: yes, (laughs) they have like the support is out of this world. So I was like, okay, if I go here, I'll be able to have like sports. I'll be able to double major or minor, like I'll have options. And I ended up never using them. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and I also never went to a single game, which is like my biggest regret. I never went to a single game while I was there. And it was so a part of why I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I, I'm not sacrificing anything. Like, yeah, I, I am right. not at all if I go to this school. And it turns out I just went there for musical theater. Musical <laughs> theater is all I did, so.
0: Sometimes you just figure, you you just realize what what is really most important to you, especially, and I mean, listen, like, yes, I, I know that you went to school for, um, initially in high school, you went to a performing arts high school. So you were able to get that conservatory feel even before you went to CCM. But at the same time, like the training is crazy and really intense. So I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have time for anything else. But I mean, I don't even want to say that because there were some people who make the time. And like you said, I I was able to figure out what was the most important to me. And if that was something I really, really wanted to do, I would have done it. You know? So I'm like, it just wasn't. Right for me. Yeah. Right.
0: So you graduated only a few years ago. Yes. Like one or two two years ago, two years ago. So what was your process like going from CCM to the quote unquote real world? Did you have a show lined up or did you just go straight to New York?
1: Oh no, I just went straight to New York and we do this thing called showcase where Mm -hmm. we basically spend all senior year getting our songs together um, and then we do the songs in front of a bunch of agents and we hope to get representation from that. And the really cool thing about like being new to New York and going out of showcase is very like, you're the new kids on the block. And so yeah. you, you go in for all these shows that like, aren't even looking for people, you know, yeah. they're just like, oh, we see you. We want to see what you what you can do. Like, we just want to mm-hmm. hear you sing. Like, can you just come in here and do a couple things? So my whole class, we were all constantly going in for things as we were adjusting to living there because we really did move. The week after we graduated, we just left and we all had apartments and we had picked out months in advance. And so it was just like, okay, now we're here. So it's like getting situated there, figuring out what my New York is, as well as like trying to find a job. And And
0: y'all do your, you you guys do your showcase pretty early in the season, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah,
1: we do. We We, we did it like earlier than a lot of people now that I think about it. Um, which I don't know why that is. We definitely do it earlier and we move there earlier. A lot of schools, a lot of people will go back to school and graduate and like walk. We like do senior showcase and we move. We don't mm-hmm. go back to school. We don't do the graduation. Some people do if they want to, but like we didn't. We had like a <laughs> little graduation ceremony. Yeah. uh uh-huh. Just moved there. And the wow. hardest part about it was like have, going from having a schedule to having nothing at all. Like, all of this free will was, like, the most difficult thing to wrap my head around.
0: What did you initially, you know, did you, did you first search for a survival job, or were you just hustling and going to every audition? What was your process like once you actually got to New York?
1: Yeah. So, in the beginning, it was, like, getting it, like, going in for things and getting representation. Like, yes. it was, like you know, after showcase, you get all these people who are like, hey, we're interested in you. We'd like to have an interview with you. And so it's like going into interviews with them, trying to ask the right questions so you know that you're picking the right people just as much as they're mm-hmm. picking the right person. You know, there's all of that. Um, and I was constantly going in for things as well, but I got a job because I was very <laughs> like, okay, I can't just like float around here forever. So I ended up working as an usher at Lincoln Center, Fierce. which was super cool. Um, and I wore like a suit and tie every day that was oh a hilarious photo of me that my class used as my group the group chat of like me in this like humongous <laughs> student tie. It was so bad and it was it was just the coolest experience because I worked with a lot of those people who were older than me they were all yeah. elderly people who were just like, yeah, it's a cool job where we can sign up for hours when we want them. Like Mm. we get to meet really cool people. We get to watch these beautiful symphonies and like. So it was was pretty flexible
0: for the most part.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. I got to schedule when I wanted to work. Oh my gosh. I worked there because I was like, I could be like, oh, I have an audition in the morning and I, I don't feel like going to work later tonight or whatever, or I need the money. I need to pick up ships, whatever. So it was very like that's why everybody that worked there was very in and out. A lot of them were people who'd been working there for years that were just mm. like, oh, okay, finally. I like, I just like, I just come here because I like hearing the music. And like mm-hmm. patrons who knew us and like were very kind to us. And it's a lovely place to work. Um, and so, and I was already going in for Jeremy Hansen at the time. So okay. it was kind of like me being there and doing that and like hoping and praying that I got something, but mm-hmm. I got a job right away. So smart, (laughs)
0: so smart. (laughs) it also affects, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like once you have a a quote unquote survival job, but a job that you really love, I feel like it affects ultimately your audition in person because you're, you're, you feel secure, you know, that you have a job that you love and that, that pays you nicely so that you don't have to worry about the next job performance job that you need to get in order to live. So at this time, you were also auditioning for Dear Evan Hansen. Talk me through the, the audition process for that. Yeah. And more specifically, I guess, for the tour itself.
1: Yes. So Dear Evan Hansen actually reached out to my school like a couple weeks before we graduated. And they okay. were like, hey, so we're looking for people for the first national tour. So we auditioned, a bunch of us had auditioned, and I got a callback actually like in my U-Haul truck moving to New York. They sent me an email. that were like, Hey, we would love to see you in person. Cause it was a video submission that we had sent. Mm. Like, we'd love to see you in person. And my callback date was actually the morning of my showcase. So I went there first <laughs> and it was so crazy because it was my first, it wasn't my first New York audition, but it was my first audition since moving to the city. And it was my first audition with them and everyone was in the room. Oh my God. <laughs> African Paul, Michael Greif, people I did not know yet that I know now <laughs> were <laughs> all in the room. And I was like, okay, they're clearly making some final decisions today because wow. this is my first time in here and it felt very final callbacky." And I was like, okay, okay. And I just went in for Alana. They'd only asked me to do a lot of things. I did a lot of the material. And they like, okay, great, that was awesome, we'll see you, we'll see you later. And I was like, okay, and I went and did my showcase, <laughs> I went and, you know, did these other auditions, I didn't hear from them for maybe like two weeks, maybe? Okay. And then they were like, hey, we liked you so much, like, can you come in and audition for the understudy for both of the girls? Okay. And I was like, whoa, okay, sure. And so after that, it was a series of like work sessions, which I'd never heard of those in my life, which basically are like, hey, we really like you, so now we wanna give you the tools to Hmm. learn the the show and be what we want you to be. So they would be like, do you want help with anything? Like, how do you feel about this song? We feel good good about this song. Do you wanna do this? And that was something I was not used to. And I was like, oh my God, they're just like talking to me. They're just like, yeah, (laughs) let's run this again. How do you feel about that? Let's do this again. Let's take that from the top. Just like working with me. And that was Uh really surprising to me because no one ever said anything to me about work sessions. Like Mm -hmm. I I expected it to be like, I'll come in here. I'll do my 32 bars. You might ask me to sing something different. And then I'll leave. But it was a very chill, like, come on, let's like sing around the piano. Like a rehearsal
0: right. almost. Yes. It yeah. felt like a
1: rehearsal. And I'd never experienced that. So I did a couple of those. And at the same time, I was going in for Hamilton for the, the, the tour that started in Puerto Rico. Okay. I was going in for that as Peggy. And the funny thing is they both share Alex Slackmore who's like the arranger who also went to New World School of the Arts. He went to my high school. No, so no. I was in both of these rooms at the same time with him and kind of being like, okay, I hope he gives me one of them. Like, I hope something comes of this. Also
0: completely different tracks. Oh, like totally 100%. different shows.
1: Completely different shows, completely different tracks, gear shifting, all that. Yeah. Stuff. Um, And Dear ben Hansen, I think it might have been like about a month of that that I was going in and out and they'd be like, okay, can you come back in on Saturday? Can you come back in? Whatever, whatever. And then my final callback, was Pascal, Paul, Michael Greif and me, a smaller room. And then they were like, okay, can you sing through this? Can you sing through this? Can you do this? Okay, great. We love it. And I remember being like, I got the part. Like I walked out (laughs) thinking I had it. I was like, everything's great. It's great. Then they emailed me the next day and they're like, Hey, we really, really like you, but we don't have it. We don't have a spot for you. Like we don't know where to put you. And I'm like, I've been auditioning for this show for like a (laughs) month and you don't know where to put me. I was like, no, like I was, I was devastated. I was devastated by it and I just had felt so sure about the show that I was like yeah it didn't happen I can not happen and then the next day the cast list came out on playbill.com with everybody and I was like oh they gave me like a courtesy call like they were like it's not you just so you know because wow. we're going live with the cast tomorrow and so I was like oh I guess that was kind of nice that like I have been in the room so many times that they were able to be like because that doesn't always happen like they were just like hey we'll just let you know that we're not gonna go with you. Yeah. Then I was like, okay, it wasn't meant to be. I'm still going in for Hamilton and then I had my I had a regional job that summer working at the Muni. which is amazing. And um, my, my final callback for Hamilton was my first day of rehearsal. And so they actually paid, they reimbursed me for my flight so that I could do my final callback because they were like, we need her to be there. And the Muni uh-huh. was like, okay, well, someone has to pay for the ticket because we're not gonna pay for it. So they paid for it for me so that I could do my final audition. So I did that. And then I flew to, I flew to St. Louis to do my two weeks at the Muni. And then they were like, then my agent calls me, like a, maybe like in the middle of the second week, and he's like, hey, so we just found out that the person who got your role dropped out. And there's what? Like, yeah, she dropped out. She ended up actually doing Mean Girls. She's in Mean Girls on Broadway now, so she left <laughs> to do Mean Girls. And I'm like, so she just dropped out, and they're like, there's a really good chance that we're going to get a call today. So we're just keeping you, or he said like in the next couple of weeks, and he's like, so we're keeping you posted. And I was like, oh my God, like I might get a phone call. <laughs> it's so crazy, blah, blah. And also I had already had, like, I got a job working at Jiva Theater, which is this other regional theater. I was going to do hair, like in, in oh, New yeah. York. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a dream show. I can't wait. I was going to do all that. And then my agent's like, so there's a good chance that they might call us. They called me that day, they called me a couple hours later and were like, okay, you got the job, they want you. And I was like, oh my God, so they're like, okay, here's the thing, rehearsal starts in two weeks, so you gotta get your ass back to New York and we're gonna start and you're gonna start rehearsal. Don't tell anybody yet, they wanna announce you, you know, blah, blah. I literally was at dinner with all my friends and I came back and everyone was like, did you get it? worked out perfectly because I had planned to go to my to go to Orlando and visit my family before going back to New York to go back to life mm-hmm. and so I was so we like made a celebration out of it I like went to Disney World Aww. We're like all right we're gonna then you're going on tour and then I went to New York and we started rehearsals and I was in rehearsals for a full week before I even told anybody I was there oh my god it was the crazy situation it was in New 42 which is like the new studio in Times Square so like Daniel Radcliffe was there at the time. Okay. Was there. Yeah, it was <laughs> so crazy. And I was just like, it was unbelievable. And it changed, like, the entire course of my life because it was tour. You know, it was like, I was going to have to move. I, it wasn't just like, I'm just going to go back to New York and now I have a job. It's like, I just moved there. Mm-hmm. And I had to take everything with me and leave. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Can I ask, when you... When you came to New York at this point, were you subletting or were you, uh, did you have your own place? Like, were you? I had a
1: lease. Oh my God. For a year. (laughs) I moved in with two of my best friends from college with another CCM alumni. So there were four of us in an apartment and I had a year long lease. Of course. Yeah. So I had to find someone to take over for the whole year, which fortunately I did. Good. So I didn't have to worry about that as soon as I left. But yeah, I moved my whole life there. Wow.
0: So then at this point, you know, how long were you on the tour before the COVID shutdown happened?
1: I've been on tour for almost 2 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Two years.
0: And you're you're playing Alana and understudying Zoe?
1: Yeah. So I first started understudying both of them. Okay. And then I did like a 6 week engagement Oh. I with Alana every day while they were transitioning between the full-time Alana uh-huh. and then the full-time Alana ended up booking, um, Carolina change on Broadway and so she left and then that's how I am now, full-time Alana. Wow. But because I've been playing Zoe for so long and they really like my Zoe, part of the reason why they hadn't moved me up at all was because they didn't want me to stop playing Zoe. Right. So I'm still playing Zoe. And at the time I was like, oh, they're probably like never gonna use me though. But I have been playing both of them still, yeah. even though I've been full-time Alana. So that's been really interesting too that I'm that I've I'm still, like, I'm a full-time person who's still, like, avidly understudying another role.
0: Yeah, and what's that like? I mean, you know, when you're on stage playing a a, a big part and you're understudying another large role, mm-hmm. um, how do you keep that material fresh? Even yeah. though, like, you it's not like you can go and shadow someone because you're literally on stage doing your yes. own track.
1: Yeah, and that was something that I was like, oh, I really took advantage of that like yeah because that that was my life before my life before was like oh I I haven't done these tracks in so long I'm gonna go watch the show really quick you know what I mean like I had the privilege of being like I'm just gonna go watch a couple scenes and whatever and now I don't have that anymore but I'm still responsible for this other track to mm-hmm. know and live it and breathe it and the girls are basically in two completely different shows there's only one scene in which they actually interact and they That's don't so even to each other they're <laughs> just on stage at for 30 seconds together. So it's like doing two completely different shows. So even when I'm on for Alana, I don't really clock Zoe, ever. I don't look at her, I never see her. So it's really like I have to be doing that only, that work on my own and Got making it. sure that like anything can happen. So I need to make sure I'm like running the material and blah, 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 blah. But I think it was just, you know, the year, basically the year and a half that I had known both tracks inside and out really, really helped me. So now it just is like in my body. So Absolutely. How- After almost
0: two years with that material, yeah. it has to be, you know, you probably can sing it in your sleep right now. Yes. <laughs> Switching gears just a little bit because I, I find this so amazing and fascinating so you also have a blog yeah. what was the inspiration behind creating it
1: so i had originally my senior year of college we made a blog was like an instagram and it was about like after new year's i had had this like i oh i also like i chopped all of my hair off i chopped <laughs> all of my hair off i went natural i had this like awakening of like manifesting positivity. I was like really into, I just got really into fitness and I was so about like stepping into my power, stepping into myself. And Queen Made of Life was this kind of positivity, accountability Instagram. Mm. And I've always wanted to start a blog, but I've never, I've always been nervous about it. I was like, no one wants to read what I have to say. I can talk for days. No one has the capacity to listen to me, whatever. So I was like, Queen Made of Light is going to be this cute little like, I'm going to plant the seed of my thoughts and opinions, but I'm not really going to talk too long. I'm just going to say certain things. And, and I had a really good support group. I had really great friends who would follow and share. And it was lovely. And it was my little thing on the side. Um, and then I got Dear Evan Hansen. And I just kind of, Queen Made of Light just turned into Sierra Lee Harris. And then it was just like my professional Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until... When I decided to sign on for another year of the tour, at the time, I wasn't full-time Alana. It was just like my six weeks as Alana. Okay. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to go out for another year, what can I do to make sure that I'm like stimulating myself to make sure that I'm happy to make sure that I'm still kind of like, you know, staying in tune with myself because being on tour is really, really hard and it's a sacrifice of no normalcy, no consistency and so queen made of light was like ai am gonna do this for myself and i'm gonna make this a goal for myself to start this blog and to make this a purpose thing for me my on my second year mm-hmm. and so i came out with it i think in october we did like this cute little launch thing for it like my friend made the website for me and i was like okay we're out it's open i'm gonna post about it people might not care, but it's there and it's for me. And I'm going to keep going and keep going, keep going. And it's just been awesome because since then it's been very well received. Of course, like the show helps me a lot. People find me from the show, then find what it is that I do. Mm. And they're like, oh my no, God, no, this is awesome. And, and I also have so many people who have been following it since it was a little Instagram from two years ago. Yeah. So it started off as this thing that like, I had always wanted to do and it became my, this is what's going to, help me my second year of tour. Like this is what's gonna help me stay in tune with myself and bring me happiness of something that's not a part of the show. Right. So yeah.
0: Right. I can only imagine because you know having a blog just helps so much in stimulating that other side of your brain. The like you know, this it's a creative outlet. It's a way to connect and communicate with others. And I just I find it so inspirational when I find someone else who also has a blog because yes. I know why you have that. Like, yeah. and I know that it's your baby. And like, I just yeah. know how much love and work and passion goes into mm-hmm. having a blog and keeping it up. If you're comfortable, I would really love to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement today because, mm-hmm. you know, number one, I, I, I'll link to it in the show notes, but I was just so floored by one of your more recent posts about it. Why do you think it's important that we have these conversations now about this movement, especially with our loved ones?
1: Yes. I think it's because the way things have been for so long have been so normalized, even for people of color, that Mm -hmm. we are not able to express when we are feeling not loved or taken care of in these environments. We're, we don't feel like we're allowed to say those things because we feel that we kind of have to accept what we're given. Like, Mm. you know, in the past two years, there has been so much opportunity for people of of color on Broadway, right? So even for me, I'm like, oh my God, look at all these shows I can be in now that like when I was in high school, when I was like, I can't wait to be on Broadway, there was like barely anything there for me. So part of it is like, oh wow, like I should be so happy. Like there's so much opportunity. And then we get there and we share stories with other people. And then we hear that there's still so much stuff that's happening that isn't inclusive to us. There's Mm -hmm. actually so much work that needs to be done. And, And part of it is them not being ready to listen to us and us not feeling comfortable to share. So this time has been monumental because I've been learning so much from my peers as well as growing the courage to express how I feel in a way I have never felt possible before and learning things about my life in ways that I have normalized treatment towards myself Mm -hmm. because of the color of my skin. and. And so many times where I'm like, oh, that was wrong. And that made me uncomfortable. And I didn't say anything because I never felt comfortable to say anything or small things like the first time I ever worked at the muni was the first time I ever got nude tights. And I had a cow about it because Mm -hmm. I was like, where did you get these? They are my color. Can I have the brand? It was like the most incredible thing that ever happened to me. And I was a junior in high school have, or having already done all these shows and that was the first time I'd ever experienced that and I look back on that I was like that's so sad like but at the time it, and it was beautiful like they had like three different flavors for people of color not just one and that was such a big deal to me because I had their, the wardrobe team was she was a black woman mm-hmm. and she was able to get me a bra and underwear and tights that worked for me and I had never experienced that before. And it's things like that where we're like, you know, we have to stop doing the bare minimum. And right now the bare minimum is now we have these roles that we can play. But the yeah. issue is there's nobody behind the table that I know is looking out for my best interest. There's nobody behind the table who I know can come up to me and be like, Hey, how did you feel about that comment? Like I, that felt some type of way to me. So I just want to check in and make sure that was okay with you. You know, and like, people not knowing how to take care of my hair. You know, I've always been responsible for my own hair in every show I've ever done. And that's been normal to me. And then now I'm like, why am I, res- why am I responsible for my hair? But she's, you do her hair. Why don't we have anybody who does my hair? It's things like that that I have normalized because I've been so lucky to get opportunity That I have accepted the bare minimum of the bare minimum of the way I am treated in these situations. And And unfortunately,
0: that's not anything that I've ever even thought of. Like, you even saying that just now just made me realize, wow, you know, that happens all the time. That happened in every show that I was in and every Mm -hmm. dance recital that I did. You know, it's like,
1: yeah, wow. yeah, And that's why it's so important. And And that's what I mean, too. Like, you don't think about that because no one's ever talked to you about that. Of course. I've never felt comfortable talking to you about that. You know what I mean? And so that's why these conversations are so important because we're all learning. Like people of color are learning how to stand up for themselves and our white allies are learning how to listen to what they they didn't even know needed a platform or needed Mm -hmm. to be spoken about, you know? And that's why I I think there have been so many, theater companies and, and Broadway advocacy groups that are like, yeah. let's have a conversation. Let's do a panel and let's share stories. And I have heard so many stories of people who are, you know, higher up the ladder than me in Broadway who are still having these problems. And then, and so that's been cool for us to be like, oh, we always just assume that once we reached a certain kind of magnitude or importance or fame, people would just treat us like people. And we're mm-hmm. hearing the same kinds of stories happening to them. You know, so that's been interesting for me to hear too. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I'm just so speechless because I'm sad that it's taken this long for yeah. light to be shed on so many different errors in humanity. But thank you for sharing that. And thank you for continuing to share about it because it's not your job to. Yeah. But the fact that you are is helping so many. Theater, of course, as we know, is shut down for the foreseeable future. Yeah. How are you coping during this time? Do you feel any pressure to create or do you feel, yeah.
1: Yes, 100%. Same. Oh yeah. In the beginning, I was like, all right, what do I do now? I can do all these things. I can do all these things that I said I was going to do on tour with my downtime. Because when I used to be an understudy, it was all like, what do I do? The hardest part about being an understudy is, especially on tour, is like I need to have a life outside of the show because I <laughs> never know when I'm going to be used.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I have always said I'm going to do this. I'm going to start writing songs again. I'm going to write a book. I'm writing a play right now that I've been writing for two years, and I'm like, finally so getting back to that play. And then quarantine <laughs> happened, and I was like, now I can do all of those things that I said I was supposed to do two years ago. And that's not the case at all. <laughs> like mm. Then it became like, I can't even get out of bed or wow, I actually haven't sat down in this long. Like I've never, I've been on tour for two years. So I've been living in a different place every week or so. So I mm. haven't sat down in one place for that long either. So it was about like finally being able to unpack all of those things happening as well as allowing myself the grace of not feeling pressured to make the next best thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do as a type A person. It's a hard thing to do as an actor, as an artist of any sort. I think we're all trying to figure out like what our time is going to be and not make it anything that it doesn't have to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm still struggling with that today, but it's gotten much better since the beginning of quarantine.
0: Good. I feel that too. I was so gung ho about so many things. I must have written a million blog posts (laughs)
1: like that first week that we were done. It was like-
0: yeah, right? It's like, okay, here's my creative energy. Also, I can help. Does anyone need help? Yes, yes. That's
1: exactly how I felt.
0: Right? And yeah, then the week after, yeah. you're like, oh, I need, I need to sit. I need to sit I down. To sit. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: exactly how I felt.
0: Well, speaking of, I mean, I know that you're also a very strong mental health advocate, which mm-hmm. is really important, especially in the arts. So, what is the significance between um, mental health and just pursuing a career in theater?
1: Oh my god, yeah. I mean, it's so much about, like, taking care of you. Like, yeah. a lot of it stemmed from, um, like, being a part of the show. The show, like, we are, you know, the show was so about talking about how you feel and protecting your energy from people who who don't make you feel good about yourself and all that kinds of stuff and especially being an actor it's so much about making sure you're surrounding yourself with good people that make you feel good about you and and you're focusing on your own journey because we get a lot of no's we get a lot of no's we get a lot of maybes and it's really really hard to differentiate that from being rejected as a person Mm -hmm. because everything that we do is being vulnerable like when i'm on stage with someone i'm I'm talking about this character, but I'm talking about me. You know, I'm pulling up something that I've experienced that relates me to this. So I'm talking about me. And so when I get a note and it's a negative note, I'm thinking, I take that internally. And I'm like, oh, like that was my soul. Like, you know, and it's so hard to differentiate the two, which is why it's so important to take care of yourself. It's so important to be like your biggest warrior, your biggest fan, you know, because you can't put that on someone else because we are in this like, affirmation-based career, Mm -hmm. you know? Something I try to remind myself all the time is like, art is subjective, you know? Some people are like, I'm in love with that new Taylor Swift album. Some people are like, I didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? She's still (laughs) super successful. And it's the same thing with acting, you know, like, Somebody somewhere thought we were really good and that's how we got here. But somebody along the way is going to think that we aren't. And so we have to be ready for all of those opinions and we have to work on ourselves and build that armor so that everything that hits is like, okay, I can take that. I can take that. Or I'm going to work on that. Or, you know, and so that's why I think it's so important to focus on you and know what you need and, and be kind to yourself for when those things start to happen.
0: How do you find that, how, like, how do you personally take care of yourself, especially when it comes to this career, reviews, auditions, people's comments, like, how are you personally taking that and getting through that?
1: Yeah, I, I have to talk to myself. I have to talk to myself so much. I have to journal. I have to allow myself to feel what it is I'm feeling, but also, like, give myself the tools to build myself back up. You know, like, it's so, it's so easy for me to compare myself to other people. Like, you know, there's so many talented people in my show to be an understudy. There's always that bit of like, I'm the second best or I'm not as good, which is why I'm in this position. And it's all of like, I got to talk to myself. I have to be like, girl, you're good. Like you deserve to be here. Like, this is your thing, girl. You know what I mean? Like, cause I can't, I'm not going to expect someone else to tell me that. Like, it's, it's that thing where it's like, I've almost taught myself to not want confidence. Of course mm-hmm. I want compliments. I want people to tell me that I'm good. I want people to tell me that I, my voice is great. Of course I want that. But I almost have to teach myself to not want them so that it doesn't become this thing where when I get it, it's like, great. Now I know I'm great. Now I know it's great. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or I need to be able to be like, that was really good work. You feel good about that? I do feel good about that. That was great. And then when I get a compliment, I was like, oh my God, yeah, you got that too. I thought that too. Great. We're all on the same page. We all thought it was great. You know, but it's like, mm-hmm. I just can't, I have to train myself to not expect it, to not really need it, but I do want it, of course, as yeah. anyone else does, but it's, it's that thin line of being like, the most important thing is what I think about myself. And somebody somewhere is going to think what I'm doing is good because art is subjective. You know, someone right. somewhere is going to be like, that was great. And someone somewhere is going to be like, she's not my favorite. Yeah. And I have to be okay with both. You know,
0: That's a great philosophy to take with you when you're going to auditions especially if you're going to a lot because yeah. you have to keep putting yourself out there and you have yeah. to keep being vulnerable and there's just so much that goes out on the line that feels like it's yourself you're putting yourself right. out on the line and not to expect anything in return simply yeah. just to do it and know that you're good and know that you know right place right time and everything happens right. for a reason yeah that's
1: it. yeah I've been saying this thing recently that like you know, nothing will ever get in the way of your opportunity. Like Mm. that's what is meant to be yours will always be yours. And no one is ever going to take what is meant to be yours. And that's why we shouldn't really believe in competition. Like we should all be peers. We should all be friends. We should all support each other because I don't really think you can take an opportunity from me or I can take an opportunity from you because whatever's meant to be yours will find its way to you. And that's what I've been saying a lot during quarantine, actually, with just like being in this stagnant, like, what am I going to do after this? What am I doing now? And it's like, well, whatever's meant to be will find its way to me. And I shouldn't have to worry about um, not being productive or or like constantly working and whatever. Like it'll find its way to me because I don't believe that anyone has the power to take anybody's future
0: away. Right. That's a true testament to what you went through with Dear Evan Hansen auditions because yeah. <laughs> you, just hearing yeah. you, you can talk about like after you got done with the role, knowing this is it, yeah. this is my opportunity. <laughs> and you know that you felt so, like you just felt so connected to the role and, and the, you know, the parts that you were auditioning for, but like... It's funny because I could easily see, so say for example, the other actress never pulled out of the show and then you were left without the job. Well, who's to say that job wasn't going to come back around to you in the next six months? Like it was bound to happen because roles that you feel just so connected with and you know that you can slay, like they will come.
1: Yeah, they They will Yeah. 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 Mm. I really believe that. And I also had this weird thing where, like, I guess it's not that cool, but I was seeing the show everywhere. I was seeing it. I would go to an audition. That's so and funny. I'd be, like, behind the reception desk. I'd like, <laughs> what the heck? And then I'd see this girl reading a magazine, and the back of it was Durvin Hansen, And I took pictures every time. Because I was like, I'm supposed to be in this show. I'm supposed <laughs> to be in this show. Like, I just felt it in my soul. Because, you know, I feel like it's easier to know when you've killed an audition to know when it wasn't good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if it wasn't good... <laughs> kind of like I don't know I don't know how that was like it might not have been that good but maybe it was
0: yeah like, but when you killed,
1: killed it, it. <laughs> you know that you've killed it you know what I yeah. mean like, yeah <laughs> you feel it you know
0: so what's it like bringing such a oh god it's just such an incredible show around the U.S. and connecting with I'm sure a lot of young people who just really feel represented on stage
1: oh it's it's amazing I what I always say about this is it's really awesome to be a part of a show that I'm proud of I'm yeah. very proud of Jared Van Hanson. I think it's a beautiful show. I think it's an important show. And and it keeps me keeping it fresh every time I go because I'm like, oh, right. Like these people can't wait to see You Will Be Found. And even though I'm so tired of singing this, I know this <laughs> is important. And so I need to get it together and sing this. Mm -hmm. song you know like we are so lucky to be a part of a show that is so special and um of course that comes with a lot of responsibility that can be really scary because we get a lot of kids that are like you know this show changed my life and Mm. people who are like you know i spent all this money to come see your show or evan i think about evan just the way i think about myself my very first show as alana this little boy in the stage door like at stage door was saying to me that he had uh, attempted suicide last year, and he was like, and you know, this show, like, really changed my, like, like, just in front of everybody, he was just saying that to me, yeah, and I'm just, like, you know, signing, but I'm, like, listening to him, and I'm, like, wow, like, thank you, thank you so much for saying that, and it's that scary thing of, like, what? Like, how do I respond to that? How can I respond respectfully to that right. um, and not harm him in any way? You know, make sure he feels like he's being heard, he's being listened to, he's being taken care of. Because a lot of the time people don't differentiate us from the actor. Yeah. Especially Evan. You know, especially Evan, it's like, I need to tell you all of my secrets because you feel exactly as I do and I need to talk to you. Mm. He gets that a lot. And as a whole, we all get that a lot. And it's beautiful because we want to know that our performances are affecting people in this way, but it's also the responsibility of making sure because we're dealing, with, we're dealing with sensitive, vulnerable people and making sure that we're saying the right things at the stage door and all that stuff. And especially being a black woman in the show, playing Zoe has been amazing to me because I have people who will come to the stage door and it'll just be like, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you're here. And we'll have, like, that moment of, like, this is amazing. Like, keep doing you or whatever. I have one girl who... She's like my number one fan, but like, she's my friend because (laughs) I gravitated towards her because she was just so like, I'm so happy to see you on stage playing Zoe. Like, I I just like, I love this. And I'm like, I'm so glad that you're here because unfortunately there are not a lot of Black people in the audience. It's a lot, a lot of minority groups cannot afford to see the show. So when they're there and when they come to the stage door, it's a really big deal. And I make Mm -hmm. sure that I see them and I make sure they see me. And I want them to know that I'm here. And, you know, I want us to have that connection together when they come. And so there's one girl who, like, she's seen me a couple of times. And and she'll, like, bring me little things and stuff. And I talk to her. Because to me, it's like, I get this. This is important for both of us. So I want to talk to you. You know, and I I have this – I've cultivated this relationship with her where she's super respectful of me. Like, she doesn't, like – you know, sometimes we can't respond to people because then they take advantage of, our, of us responding to them and then it becomes a whole thing. And she's somebody who doesn't do that at all. She's just very considerate of me and I'm very mm-hmm. considerate of her and I just have an open line of communication with her that mm-hmm. I really, really value as being a Black person in this show. Um, so the show has just been It's awesome for it to be my first show, like my first professional show, for it to be this, to be a part of this. Being a part of the first national tour was incredible because we got to do so many crazy, amazing things. Mm -hmm. Just being like, it being the first year, like they really, really like took care of us in that way. Um, And it's important being a person of color in the show too.
0: Hmm. That's so beautiful. I mean, I'm, I was hoping that, that there would be instances like that. And I just think that that's so incredible. And what an impact yeah. you are making on thousands and thousands and thousands of kids mm-hmm. in the U- U.S. simply with the show. My last question for you, and I feel like I could talk for you for days. <laughs> I feel like I've known you for forever. My last question for forever. My, I hated that. I hated that just as much as it's you did. Okay, I love it. <laughs> My last question for you is if you could give one piece of advice to someone who's pursuing a career in the theater industry, what would you say?
1: You were on your own journey and it will happen in your own time. Like there's no use in using energy comparing yourself to other people. Because, you know, what's meant to be yours will find its way back to you. And it's all about timing and it's all about luck. It is not a reflection on your talent or you as a person. It's all about when this opportunity comes into your life, it'll be the right time for you.
0: Mm. And that's also my
1: advice to myself, especially when, yeah. we there. when we go back out there and I'm looking for a job. After <laughs> and Hansen, I'm going to be like, e- whatever's meant to be, it'll be <laughs> fine. Like, you know, I'm talking to myself for so. that
0: replaying this episode yeah. and yeah. you're talking to yourself in the mirror just like listen here's the deal well thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and I wish you the best of luck yeah, thanks for having <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful I would love it if you could screenshot it tag at actor aesthetic and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.